This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Welcome to the Money Pot, our podcast at Money 2020. I am Rachel Morrissey, a content producer for Money 2020 USA, and I am here with Elena Mesropian, the content leader for Money 2020 Europe. Hey, Elena. Hi, Rachel. Now I know there's a bit of a funny story on how you ended up speaking with our guest today. Uh, you're like this corporate stalker. You keep a little folder of random links to companies you find interesting, and Primer was on there for a bit of a time, isn't that right? And then somehow the Primer team reached out to you later. Yes. Um, I have this borderline creepy habit of dumping random links into notes for something I find interesting, and then checking them out from time to time. And at some point in 2020, I came across Primer and naturally dumped the link into a note so I can reach out to them a bit later and learn more about what they do. Coincidentally, as I did that, the Primer team also reached out to me, and the rest is history. We'll talk about stars aligning. I know, right? I'm particularly delighted about this episode because today we're not going to talk about just another way to build and run merchants' payments infrastructure. Paul Anthony, the co-founder of Primer, explained the right way to do it, and I absolutely loved the way Paul described merchants' infrastructure today, calling it a monolith of spaghetti code. I think coming from Braintree PayPal, Paul and his co-founder Gabriel understand this topic like nobody else. There couldn't be a better time for this conversation as well. I mean, now is the time to build for merchants. So to kick things off, why don't we start with some context? This pervasive issue of technical fragmentation with large merchants that Paul and Gabriel saw. What I discovered at my time at PayPal is that the biggest merchants on the planet don't really have an underlying technical infrastructure for their payments, and they also want to do lots of cool stuff, right?、Um, but I've been in. Tens of hours of meetings with merchants while I was at PayPal, trying to convince them to maybe move the PayPal button halfway down the page. And it's been more than three years since I've been working at PayPal and Braintree, and they still haven't done it.、Um, and it's just because of that that technical fragmentation. So with Primer, what we wanted to do is we wanted to take this a million million steps further. Which is to say, how can we shift the power dynamic in a merchant's organization so their payments team could do everything they want to do when it comes to offering the best possible experience to their, to their customers and expanding and managing their payments ecosystem? But then, also for developers, what can we do so that developers don't have to constantly have to relearn how to integrate payments? Due to all of this technical fragmentation, it's all next to impossible. For、uh, a, an engineering team within a merchant organization to build this cohesive payments experience and everything they want to do around payments、um, in a unified way, and so we want to make it so that payments in a merchant e-commerce organization can be seen as a technological lever, the same way as their native、um, products and services are. I love this idea of shifting the power dynamic in a merchant's organization. It reminds me of what makes Stripe, for example, such an incredibly successful organization. I mean, they focus on being a developer-first company, empowering back-office teams to build delightful experiences. But there is more. It's not just the technical fragmentation of the payments infrastructure. There are other critical parts of merchants' stack at play. What we've seen in in in, in speaking with、uh, now more than a、uh, hundred merchants doing doing deep deep dive technical workshops is they have really expansive payments ecosystems. So those payments ecosystems include PSPs, proprietary payment methods. They may have direct relationships with banks for direct debit. 
Um, but there are also many other services across the payment services stack that merchants leverage as part of their overall, um, you know, checkout experience and, and payments facilitation. Well, it seemed complicated enough at this point to run so many pieces of a payment stack in sync, but we're still only just scratching the surface. To be honest, it wasn't until Paul went into the next bit of tools merchants use when I understood how deep the fragmentation runs for a mid-market or large enterprise merchant. There is complexity beyond payments. There are also other operational tools that merchants use, such as BI tools and and, and data tools uh, to help them figure out how to optimize their payments ecosystems over time. And then some other services are things like loyalty and rewards programs. So for big brands, they'll do deals with card schemes or or other loyalty and rewards programs um, to offer the you know discounts and so on and so forth to their customers. Okay, so it's pretty clear there is tremendous complexity on the merchant side. But what does all this mean? We are knee-deep in spaghetti now. What this results in is merchants having to not only integrate with all of those parties in a distinct fashion, but then as best as they can to manage the interdependency of connections between all of those providers. And that's really, really, really hard for them to do. Um, Because the best way to do that is for a a merchant to be PCI level one compliant, for example, and actually store the payment information so that they can determine at what point they want to authorize the transaction and then send transactional information to to the third parties and and create a cohesive payments flow. Um, But that's not what they're encouraged to do by those parties that they uh, work with. If you think about the market and and, um, companies which build payments integrations, those are typically PSPs or proprietary payment method providers. So on the proprietary payment method provider side of things, that's perfectly fine. Um, What they're doing is they're honing a really, really great experience that's consistent with their brand and messaging around how to accept this form of payment, right? Um, But on the PSP side of things, PSPs have a a pretty uniform walled garden of products and services across the board. Those would include card acquiring um, and also subscription management and and fraud. Um, Also, as part of that package, um, they will work with third-party proprietary payment method providers and typically charge a fee on top of that and offer that as part of a cohesive, you know, unified payments integration. But of course, it's only a unified payments integration if the merchant is using just that PSP. But that's not what we actually see in the market. There is a mismatch between what merchants really need and what they are encouraged to do by third parties they work with. I mean, it's hard enough if you have a fairly limited stack, but there is more to payments than the payment itself. And there's such a variety of services today that enhance the experience, adding to the issue of complexity and fragmentation. Every one of those merchants that we've spoken with have increasingly expensive payments ecosystems, which is a good thing, by the way, because um, the world of online payments is now more than just acquiring It's all these really, really interesting and disparate services that enhance the payments experience. Um, Companies that do fraud management really, really well. Companies that do click and collect really, really well. Companies that do, uh, companies that have BI tools and data and analytics tools uh, that merchants data teams would like to make the most use out of. Accounting software is is, is now you know, software as a service, um, and you know there are opportunities there to uh, to automate some of those things for reporting and reconciliation. So, the payments landscape is really a technology landscape now, um, where you have all of these really really interesting products and services that, as I say, enhance the payments experience, and and merchants want to fold these into their overall uh, offering in order to give their customers the best possible payments experience. 
To enhance the payments experience, merchants must have pretty tight relationships with their providers, right? I mean, it's reasonable to expect your PSP to work with you on delivering for your roadmap. After all, third parties are there to enable a merchant to provide a better experience to their customers. But the bigger you are, the more integrations and relationships you are juggling. Paul met some of the biggest merchants on the planet and built a very close collaborative relationship with those merchants from a technical standpoint which involved mapping out their entire payments ecosystem. Merchants have payments roadmaps. Um, pretty obvious, but the payments roadmaps are kind of long. So they're 12 to 18 months long. Um, typically, merchants have mid-market merchants may have 10 or 20 people in their payments teams. Uh, if you're Uber, you have somewhere in the region of 200 plus. And the whole purpose of them having a payments roadmap in the first place is so that they can enhance their payments experience, serve more customers, process more payments, um, you know, via going into new markets and offering new payment methods and so on and so forth. But the issue that we as Braintree and PayPal and literally everybody else in the payment space faced was that there's a great deal of technical fragmentation across that merchant's payments ecosystem. So they have to not only maintain all of these those integrations, but try to do the best job possible to offer a cohesive payments experience uh, to their customers. Um, but there is no real mechanism for them to do that. Because of course, if you go to Adyen or Checkout or Stripe or wherever, they want you to use their payments integration. Um, and that's okay if you're an SME merchant and you are pretty much just using one one payments provider, which even for SME merchants, their their payments ecosystem is larger than you might think it, it would be. Um, but there is no one in the market to serve merchants' entire payment strategy. So that means that a merchant has a payment strategy that goes beyond just that particular PSP that they happen to be talking to at that moment in time. So far, we have a pretty clear picture of the issue. You'd think there must be ways merchants are solving it, but I was surprised to find out that many don't really solve these problems today. Merchants typically invest their energy and resources in hiring people into payments teams, but what Paul and his team have seen time and time again is that these payments teams effectively act as firefighters. So when they want to put something on the payments roadmap and implement some new form of accepting payments or optimizing their payments ecosystem in some way, it takes a long time for that to get on the roadmap to get completed and deployed. In the end, a lot of the manual work is involved in merchants figuring out how to optimize their payments ecosystems. We've met merchants who do upwards of 10 billion in transaction processing volume, and they meet once a week with an Excel spreadsheet and figure out what variables they can tweak to be able to maybe improve authorization rates or reduce declines or reduce fraud or manage chargebacks and, and so on and so forth. But these are very, very small incremental changes. As a result of all of this technical um, complexity and fragmentation across the merchant's payments ecosystem, they have to be pretty much 100% certain that they are going to work with a new payment provider or payment method service or, or some other third-party service across the payment services stack because there's a lot of investment involved in getting that on the roadmap in the first place and, and getting it implemented and, and deployed and, and, and into production. With Primer we remove that that barrier. Right. And Primer wants to do that by simply being a technical infrastructure, not another payment service, to allow merchants to offer optimized payments experiences to their customers wherever they are in the world. Who are really an enabler rather than another PSP? The best way to think about Primer is, is really 
really is as a framework for online payments and all of the services across the online payments ecosystem. So that includes not just PSPs and payment methods, but as I say, there are many, many other services that merchants leverage across the payment services stack. And merchants are going to choose the best-in-class services for all of those distinct things, um, and they may differ from region to region and market to market. So that's really what we're offering to merchants, is the ability to build out your payments infrastructure however you see fit, and we're effectively just hosting it. We're building an organization that is focused purely on enabling merchants to optimize their payments ecosystems and build that out as they see fit. And in due course, a lot of this functionality will be powered by data-driven insights that we're able to derive across our entire merchant base to improve the payments experience for customers and for merchants. I get the problem and the value proposition, but what's to stop platforms like Shopify and Amazon from getting to that place of enabling seamless integration with a variety of tools and workflow management? I mean, their current suites are pretty comprehensive. Great point. And I asked Paul exactly that. Shopify themselves have a payments infrastructure that they have to maintain, and they have to invest tremendous amounts of money in that, and they have to stay on the leading edge of online payments at absolutely all times. Um, so, But that's not their core business model, right? Um, <clears throat> With Primer, we're a pure technology company. We're focused just on building that underlying technology that would enable merchants to build really optimized payments ecosystems. And we see ourselves as offering that infrastructure and that platform to payments facilitators as well as to e-commerce merchants in the future. So Primer comes as the technical infrastructure and is exclusively a framework for online payments. It's like an automation engine for online payments. Yes, as Paul described, Primer is like Zapier, who came along to solve the problem of connecting a multitude of disparate services together via an automated process. And Primer sees payments as exactly that, a workflow, an automated process. Ultimately, with all of the complexity, merchants want to increase the success rate of their flows. And the term authorization rate comes into play here, which, as we found out, is no longer an adequate way of thinking about success. So typically what merchants are trying to do is to increase the success, the overall success of, of their payments. Right now, they typically think about that in terms of authorization rates. For Primer, an authorization rate is a kind of um, archaic metric because there are many things that could impact the success of the transaction. There is the customer coming to the checkout, completing that um, you know, the, the, the checkout form or going through the, uh, the particular payment flow. Then you have, um, the response back from the processor, whether it's approved or declined. Um, then you have rules that a merchant will set up to determine whether or not they should go ahead and proceed to capture the funds. Those rules may be based on card payment information, such as AVS and CVV, or they may be based on some proprietary information that comes back from that particular processor. And so there are lots and lots of things that a merchant has to juggle, but ultimately they're trying to increase the overall success, factoring absolutely everything else in. Not all PSPs and processors and acquirers are built the same. Maybe one acquirer is better at accepting German-issued cards than another acquirer is, but maybe it's not that simple, and that actually changes over time. So there are lots of dynamics that a merchant needs to manage to be able to optimize their payments ecosystem across the board and to improve authorization rates and reduce declines in fraud and so on and so forth. A lot also depends on the nature of the merchant's business. I mean, as Paul said when he brought up the example of recurring payments, 
It will become increasingly more complex with SCA and 3DS. Not mentioning that the payments landscape is constantly changing. Merchants need to be able to adapt fast and use the best products and services available across the payments landscape at any time. So very similar to, uh, to Zapier, a merchant can connect a multitude of services to their primary account, not just PSPs. They could be payment methods. They could be fraud providers, BI tools, chargeback services, accounting software, and so on and so forth. And they can build sophisticated routes across the transaction lifecycle. So this enables a merchant's payments team to now be able to manage their entire payments ecosystem and the business logic to effectively execute their overarching payment strategy in a unified way with a, with a really great interface via our dashboard. They then don't have to worry about getting some of these items on the roadmap, and they can also be a lot more flexible and a lot more creativity, uh, creative when it comes to expanding their payments ecosystem. And that is the beauty of having a framework that enables creativity. A merchant doesn't have to be 100% certain that they want to use a particular PSP, a payment method, or whatever it may be. The flexibility would enable merchants to try things out, experiment with workflows, adjust them, and ultimately enhance the overall commerce experience. It's crazy what the timelines look like today for merchants to update their integrations. Currently, their ability to adapt to changes in the payments landscape is very, very low, as Paul explained. We've met really, really large fashion merchants who have somewhere in the region of 20 to 26 payment methods on their e-commerce stores. None of those integrations have been updated in almost 24 months. So that means they are by, you know, they are de facto old payments experiences that have since improved since that, since that time. Um, and those improvements are typically, you know, typically revolve around improving conversion and, and overall uh, payments processing success. There's just tremendous innovation in the payment space, but a merchant's ability to adapt to that and to actually implement best-in-class technologies and provide amazing commerce experiences to their to their customers is um, significantly restrained by the technical complexity and fragmentation across their payments ecosystem, which is a massive shame, right? Because Online payments is a, an amazing way to enhance the overall commerce experience online. And a lot of folks in the market are doing some really, really interesting things across all of these, all of these various areas, you know, from fraud to loyalty and rewards, um, and also the BI and analytics side of things and the downstream side of things, chargeback management and, and recurring payments and so on and so forth. So Primer acts as an accelerant for the adoption of online payments. A merchant with an 18-month roadmap and growth plans can get the time frame reduced by an order of magnitude because all that complexity can now be managed in a unified fashion. As big of a task as it sounds, that wasn't even the part Paul and Primer team are most excited about. The part that we're excited about is what merchants will then do. Once they have that degree of flexibility to be really creative when it comes to online payments and offering enhanced commerce experiences to their customers, we think they'll really be cooking. Much in the same way as engineers are when they adopt a new library or framework that enables them to build robust applications in a much shorter period of time, they also take that opportunity to build more complexity on top of that with that additional resource. And that's how technology you know, imp imp improves. We're far more excited by the things that we don't know mer merchants will do with the platform than those things that we do know they'll do with the platform. Paul also gave a few examples of what they aspire to enable. If you look in the social media space, for example, uh, you've got the likes of Pinterest and Instagram and, uh, and many of these other social media services, whereby they want to offer an end-to-end -end, 
uh, experience to their uh, to their users, which includes payments. So now you log on to Instagram and you can see uh, that you can purchase products directly via via the app. And and this is the trend, right? Which is this notion of of interconnected uh, you know partnerships between these channels and uh and and merchants and and suppliers um and we're going to see more and more of that click and collect is something which is typically very very hard for merchants to implement because there are there are many there are many touch points and it's to the point where a merchant would release a press release to say hey look we've got click and collect now for primer we want to see that as just a very 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 simple module that sits on the primer platform that anybody can activate provided they supply us with the right you know api information so that we can uh, we can build that into into the merchant's checkout so i am very curious about what will become possible for merchants but is there another side of the story we haven't talked about yet i mean what does this mean for third parties that's an excellent question. Paul and his team talk a ton to third parties, payments method providers, PSP fraud platforms, and so on. While third parties themselves are doing a lot of innovation on their side, they struggle to get merchants to implement those within their payments infrastructure. There are benefits Primer delivers for third parties too. Primer also enhances third parties' abilities to to improve their technologies and to have those implemented and to reduce that feedback loop so that new technologies can emerge and, and be um, and, and be and be created. If you look at the likes of Apple Pay and Google Pay, for example, they really just sit on legacy rails. Those rails are, you know, typical card acquiring and, and 3DS. Um, you know, the Apple cryptogram goes through 3D secure fields. And, and so there isn't that much that has to change, you know, when it comes to the backbone of online payments so that those services can come into fruition and, and be implemented. Um, but we're now taking it a few steps further, which is that through a unified payments API, and payments infrastructure, now you can have many, many other types of services that can can form out of that, um, which don't necessarily have to sit on the current legacy infrastructure. I look forward to seeing what becomes possible after Primer has done the impossible. So that is it for this episode of The Money Pot. We'd like to thank our guest, Paul Anthony, the co-founder of Primer, for sharing his take on their approach to managing merchants' tech stack. Also, we thank our producer, Roland Boddingham. We cannot wait to see everyone at Money 2020 Europe in Amsterdam on September 21st to 23rd. And we also look forward to seeing everyone in Vegas for Money 2020 USA on October 24th to 27th. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And also, please write us in with suggestions for the show at podcast at money2020.com. Thank you for listening. This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.